Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new partner, Arostia, a new coffee roaster based in Queens. This company was created by and is run by a huge fish fan, Andy Hollander, who hasn't caught a hold your head up since 12, 15, 95, but is definitely not bitter about it. I've had this coffee and it's really great. Andy started roasting coffee during the pandemic, taught himself, and then that turned into this label, Arostia, which launched late last year. I had a bag of the Ethiopian coffee and it was gone really quickly because I liked it so much and I drank a lot of it and I need more. The beans were grown at an altitude of 2,100 meters above sea level, which contributes to a dense bean that continues to develop its flavors after the roasting process is done. The tasting notes include apple, raisin, and caramel, and there are more coffees coming very soon. So support this fan-owned business and try the coffee today. And for Osiris listeners, there's a 10% discount code on the site. Use the code OSIRIS at checkout for 10% off your order, and stay tuned for the launch of a coffee subscription. You can order and sign up for the mailing list at arostia.com. That's A-R-O-A-S-T-I-A.com. And you can find Arostia on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, Arostia. Osiris. All right, guys, we are live. Um, it's so great to see people already watching on YouTube. And this person, I'm not sure if this is a real person or not, who says, I'm, I love Osiris and I'm excited to purchase goods and services advertised on their platform. Today, we're going to be advertising Prince that dude, that dude may or may not also have been a roommate of mine in college. May or may not. <laughs> I, 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 can, oh, I can neither I confirm that. nor deny. <laughs> that voice that you hear, we have a guest today. Levi Blankenship. Um, Levi and I have been corresponding. We met in Mexico, and um, I'll tell you more about that. But um, he he brought us a bunch of amazing topics to discuss, and we are we're starting with this topic in defense of Prince Caspian. But Levi, we'll get into more of an introduction in a minute. But thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Super super grateful. It's like to be here. So thanks. It's going to be fun. Um, yes, I I guess. We should start by just saying um, there was okay, a few things happened. Round room vinyl release. Brian, is this important or like a big deal? It was in my email <laughs> inbox for 30 seconds before I bought it. I am <clears throat> likewise so excited. This is my favorite Fish Studio album, and I cannot wait to have this on vinyl and blast it on my speakers down here uh, in the basement. I'm so excited. I'm I'm with you. I'll only say it's my second favorite studio album, and we'll talk more about that later. 
Mm. Love this. Right. Prince Caspi's not even easier. on it, and we're going to be doing this. This is amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess there's another thing. Um, this we talked about the Arco Arena live fish release, didn't we? Maybe I listened. We, it's fun. It's fine. We certainly alluded to it because I just still don't really get it. But um, but but I think it's it, it it's got like a nice. It's got a little more energy in the in the beginning than I remember when I had the tapes in you know late '96. But it's still a it's still an, an interesting um, decision. I think the recording is very very nice. Uh, yeah, I really beautiful. like having Peter Affelbaum in soundboard. I love the work he did with tab and it's really cool to hear him just a couple of years earlier. Um, it's good stuff. It, uh, the next night in Los Angeles should at some point be released as a soundboard more on that next week, perhaps. Oh, wow. Ooh, ooh. wow. I was at this show at the Arco arena and the next night in UCLA. And I have, zero memories of either show so <laughs> <laughs> the 90s were pretty wild man but um i i like you know that is megan what that's proof that attendance bias means nothing for quality get off I my just, soapbox now but that is proof it's a little weird i mean i don't know there's a lot going on with me at that time i was 19 but i remember vegas the week later that i was at but I don't remember the show, but there was a lot happening in the show and it was fun to listen back to. It's, they sound inspired and excited after Remain in Light and there's a lot of energy and it's a fun show to listen to. You can hear kind of like the hints at Cal Funk and like it's yeah. ice in 2001 and you can hear them Timber. playing with that groove. Yeah, Timber. Brother. Yeah, it's really fun. Full 96 breakthrough underrated in a way that. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you tackle that in the top 20. Even titles. more foreshadowing. I love <laughs> We um can't play well, yet. I'm getting ahead of our we're using an outline for this episode. <laughs> I will just tell the the audience we haven't used an outline for an episode in I don't know maybe nine years, but we're 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 doing it. Maybe we did for Brian yourself, RJ. This is, Brian and I have our own outlines. No, <laughs> no, it's a it's an attempt to uh, to organize our thoughts. It's a good idea, but Brian's already talking about foreshadowing. He's four bullet He's points ahead. He's changing it. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> moving things around on me. Um, okay, Megan, there was a Mike Gordon Joe Russo show in Brooklyn with Robert Walter. And yeah, what was the what was the deal with that? I haven't watched it or listened yet. Well, I'm sad I couldn't go, but you know, getting tickets to the late night show when you're a teacher and you get up at five in the morning just seemed a little bit not okay. But I probably should have done it thinking back. It I've listened to a little bit of it. It was incredible. It was just pure jamming. Is that is that correct? And it happened it's to fall on the 20th anniversary of the first time Gordon played with Russo when he joined the duo in 2004 in New York City, just randomly. But how cool is that? And I remember how we were talking about those grab shows for 2004, and those were fantastic. And this kind of had that energy to it, that spirit of just wild improvisation. I've only listened to a little bit of it, but I can't wait to go back to it. It was awesome sounding. And everybody that I've talked to that was there said it was just incredible. Brian, you've yeah, I got some videos. Right? I got some videos sent from a couple of friends who were there, um, and some internet links uh, to what was going on. The light show was incredible. It was like this wall of colors that would uh, zero in on the band, and they would expand, and kind of felt like it was like three D at times. And yeah, it seemed it sounded like it was just free form improvisation, which. Uh, I'm a hundred percent in favor of. Yeah. Uh, that is kind yes, of. Yes, please. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. So with that, with that rhythm section. 
right? Yeah. And, you know, we talked about this a lot throughout 2023, you know, hearing Mike front and center and hearing him uh, have the ability to really create that freely is a good sign, I think, for Fish 2024. And just like him figuring out his zone within the band as there's been so much change sonically over the last couple of years and him kind of stepping out in this sort of manner was just, it was exciting. It was really fun and um, makes me really excited to see uh, a couple fish shows here in a few weeks uh, on the beach. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That venue is really cool too. I just love that Mike was playing deep in Brooklyn and Bushwick at the Sultan room, this like tiny venue. It's just, it's awesome. He's so cool to do that. Yeah. Um, I should have gone, I should have gone to that. I should have gone. Mm. It was a, I mean, it was like 10 minutes from my house. It was a big fuck well, up. Next time we should go, next we can go to Roberta's okay. first and go there. Yes. Perfect. It makes so much sense. Okay. <laughs> um, guys, next week we're going to kick off our top 25 tours of all time series. Um, you, the people have voted. We got hundreds and hundreds of votes and it was really great to just see people participating. We got, um, and we took everyone's rankings and, then we move them around according to our whims and preferences. And so, you know, what you voted for will be represented in some way, most likely, um, unless you went in and voted, you know, just to throw us off. But um, we are we're going to be kicking it off with number 25 next week. And I don't I don't know what it is because no one's hinted at it, but um, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be really good. It's going to be I, really good. I tried to break the voting a la, you know, New Year's. Uh, uh, game head show, and I, I I I couldn't break it the way I had intended, so I'm, I apologize. We're just looser <laughs> with our rules in Fish.net. Coming in as the number one tour in Fish. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're we're really excited to start the series. Of course, um, you know, everyone who's been following along over the past year, we we had a great time doing the doing the last series, and you know, we're we're gonna keep it going. Um, we we did. We will have more. <laughs> We will have more ranking drafts. Uh, I guess I guess we'll call them draft episodes, right? Yeah, Brian, we've got like, another drafts, one that's yeah. in the works right now. I came up with another one yesterday that I sent I did to not you guys to that. for yep. a pre-approval. That won't be until the end of this upcoming series. That but... one gave me like anxiety already. Like it was so big in scope. Like, I tried to Brian ignore just it. keeps enlarging these drafts, and they're just so huge. But they're exciting. It's fine. They're exciting. Um, um, it's gonna be fun. It's going to be fun. I, we have one voicemail that I want to share this week. And, you know, everyone's been praising Megan for her for her drafting skills. And I just want to I just want to, like, share one that just gives a little bit of a different perspective, because I feel oh, like no. Megan has had, you know, <laughs> Megan's had a lot of um, a lot of great. Is this great? Kudos. No, no, just check this out. This is just a different totally. perspective, guys. Okay. OK, here we go. Hey, this is Jeff. First time, long time. Calling about your. Uh, your draft has fucked up. 98 overlooked by all of Bookended years with the Island Tour and that New Year's run. You've got funk, space, rock all melting together. You got more Europe. You got that jukebox summer tour, one wheel, return of the due to life. You've got you've got naked guys running around on stage. Come on. <laughs> Definitely valuable. And on the special note. Sessions at West 54th, David Letterman, California Medicine Concert, Farm Aid. They really have it all. Everything that you said about 97, everything you said about 99, double for 98. And RJ, you doubly fucked up. 
even if you wanted to stick with 99, that should have been your last choice. 90s were all on the table for you. Good luck next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> wow. So, two things. Two things. One, I really like how you could hear him like scrolling through fish.net to like remember (laughs) yeah and then then oh yeah and then this happened the other i've gotten a lot of messages about this and i think that like it's a psa so if you just have an open-ended draft where anyone could take any year at any point in time it takes away like the chance that you could fuck up yeah, it's it takes yeah. away the strategy because no i had a friend be like why don't you guys just like pick from every year well, what's the fun in that like then the 90s become you can you can pick any everyone can have multiple years from the 90s like come on it's dumb. 98 i don't know rj had the last pick and like between 98 and 99 i don't think you made the wrong choice because when i go for a show between those two years I'm usually going for highlights in 98, but there are some like real meaty full shows in 99 that like, I just love hearing that band sound during that era. Plus the jams. This is not a knock on 98. I know someone's going to come after me. Can't find me online, bro. You got to text me. Um, But like, (laughs) he's right. 98 was unfortunately left out of the draft. And that's just the way that, that it goes. It's, it's, it sucks. It sucks. You had to have 2004 instead of 98. I'm sorry. I mean, I do think Megan played it. The strategy that Megan employed was was masterful. It was, you know, we were playing checkers, you know, compared to, to <laughs> Megan. So I do think she came out on top. Um, we're going to do it again. And next time I'm going to, trust me. You're going to come gonna, so correct, RJ. Gonna, You're just going to come in with strategy, just like all these ideas. Strategy. I, I already have a whiteboard. I'm ready. I did. Hired I a did consultant. Yeah. He's he's gonna come in and kick all of our asses and just like not even smile about it. He's just gonna be like yeah, exactly. straight face the whole killer. episode. Like I don't like you guys anymore, type of thing. Nope. I mean, the motivation for me, honestly, and don't get mad, Brian, but like I knew that Brian was gonna do well in this draft, and it was his design, and I just really wanted to beat him. Yeah. The problem was I decided to make an unnecessary trade at the end that um it's true. was for content. It was all in favor of content. So you think if you had had your original list, you would have beat me? A hundred percent. I disagree. Well, let's, okay. This is already, this is already, we already did this. <laughs> okay, sorry, we're, we're all, sorry, okay. We already we're back did the on, draft. We're back on that. Someone get the outline going. Okay, so I want to say one thing. Um, this guy who's based in New York, Andy Hollander, who's a, a listener and a fan of Osiris, he started a roasting company, a coffee roasting company called Arostia, A R O A S T I A. And um, it's arostia.com. And he sent me some coffee and I it's gone already because I went through it fast and it's really amazing fan fans out there creating cool stuff um you'll probably hear more from him but um check out arostia he's like andy's part of the the new york freak scene and and part of the fish world and it's really cool he makes he's making good coffee already so nice work andy um okay levi welcome thank you thanks, <laughs> it's good thanks, to- thanks, thanks for having me <laughs> good I, to have you i i will say this is this is a this is an interesting experience for me, right? Because like I've been listening to you guys talk about fish for a long time, for uh, you know, from the early days of HF Pod, and then the evolution uh, in recent years has been so impressive, and the um, context within the larger Osiris network, and like I'm uh, 
I'm just such a big fan of what you're what you're doing and the um, the the content and the conversation that you bring to the community. And uh, so first and foremost, I just want to say thank you guys, like legitimately thank you. And 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 by extension, thanks for having me because I'm, I'm psyched to, for this episode and to participate and to be a part of it. So um, 40 for 40 was awesome. I can't wait to see what happens with the uh, with the, the tour ranking uh, project for this year the you know your uh, quick hits and show reviews are like the first place i go after you know i, did, I look forward to it so um I've, I've, I've spent a long time listening to you guys talk about fish and air and therefore i feel like i know you and yet here we are <laughs> meeting in, in the way that's like truly bizarre right like i guess in the same way like we all feel like we know trey right <laughs> or, yeah. or mike or whatever and like yeah so yeah Basically, I just called you guys Trey and my, I don't know what I just did. But, I know, but, I think yeah. you like in charge of our PR or something. Like, yeah, right? like, Levi. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, seriously, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, let's let's get after it. Yeah, thank you. And I, I will say yeah. that Levi and, I, Levi and I met last year in Mexico. And of course, like, I think people were like, hey, there's this cool spot where everyone's like hanging out and you guys should come hang out and, and check it out. And I was like, I don't know, like. I don't want to go to like a room where like people are watching the show from in Mexico and like have just be like weird strangers. And then my wife and I come up and it turns out like we're not strangers at all. Like we either know everyone there or everyone there knows, at least knows Osiris and HF. <laughs> and and, 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 and for, clar- for clarity, we're not just like live streaming the show. In yeah. Yeah. Our yeah. Room, like our hotel room is on top of the stage. Right. Like it was pretty, oh my God. pretty amazing. It was like when in Mexico, when you see like those couple of rooms that are like, yeah, we were really, really, really lucky. That's the spot. And I didn't even, it's not just like, you know, Benji was up there and, you know, I saw, but I, I saw I think, Ryan, I, I Ryan Art, Grimm, who I haven't yeah, seen in Grimm, a long time. And, and who's Art. on the, and, and who I just saw on the chat. Grimm's on the chat here. Oh, so, is he here? Oh, yeah. hey, Ryan. Um, and, uh, and I think Ari, uh, introduced us initially friend of the pod mm-hmm. also, mm-hmm. obviously. So absolutely. And I, I loved, thank you for hosting us because it was, it was really awesome. Um, okay. So. Levi, you sent us some ideas, and I think we all we all liked all of them. But I think we all kind of coalesced around this idea of in defense of Prince Caspian, and and we have to we're going to get into this. But we think does it make sense, Meg, to start with what is Prince Caspian for those people out there who have not heard what of, of that song? Yeah, let's do it. I'll give a little bit of some stats and some data. It's written by Trey and Tom inspired by C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia story, The Prince Caspian, the second book, debuted in the summer of 95. The song really changed in the summer of 96 when they added the jam and that kind of false ending. Also started to stretch out a lot in 97, which I'm excited to talk about. Last played October 10th, 2023, eight shows ago. And it's been played about once every 11 shows. And it has been played 175 times with no notable show gap. And so on average, it's been played every six shows. So Trey likes Caspian. So if you don't, Trey really does. And I have some more stats and some more data for myth busting purposes, but I'm going to wait till we get to kind of the derision part of the outline, if that makes sense. That makes sense. I just, I wanted to, I wanted to just, just share, uh, I was trying to get some info from Tom. Tom hasn't said that much about this song, I think because it's like, People know that it kind of was was leaning on um, literature and, and all that. The what he what he shared is that he he included um, the line with stumps instead of feet as a joke, and 
didn't <laughs> expect it to be part of the lyrics and was like, we should probably change that. And Trey was like, no, absolutely not. Like, there's no way we're taking that out. And he's Tom said that this happened with Stash and Chalk Dust and a bunch of other songs where he had like just, you know, things in there as jokes yeah Yeah. placeholders and every time trey's like no we're not we're not um (laughs) we're not taking that out so it's i feel like that's like a big part of the song and that um i guess was not intentionally there to 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 be to be permanent um so okay what is what what are the thoughts what are you brian what are your thoughts on this song broadly so I, I was thinking about this because Caspian was one of the early songs I remember liking as a Fish fan and getting into. Uh, it's very accessible. It's just a couple chords. It feels like classic arena rock. Um, it's got that beautiful ending kind of false jam that you were talking about, Meg, that's uh, at the end of Billy Breathes. It really ends Billy Breathes in a manner that makes that last half of the album feel like the last half of Abbey Road. And I remember like getting into this band. This was one of the songs that was early on. I like this song and I continue to like this band more until I logged online and was like, Hey, I like these fish songs. And people (laughs) are like, Hey, you're a bad fish fan. And then I've been working that out ever since. Um, But I want to just point out like there's, there's a point in the fish book and this connected with me early on when I was getting into fish and I was reading that book while listening to songs where Trey talks about how they recorded the jam as the sun was rising, um, um, you know, it, during the Billy breathe sessions. And I can never get that out of my head. Um, because regardless where they play it, regardless if it cuts off a jam at times, like that moment of where they recorded it, the inception of that is a part of what makes this song beautiful. It makes it lasting. Um, I think that this song is also a really interesting kind of litmus test for fish because it could take up five minutes of a set and really just serve as kind of like a bridge from one thing to another, or in some of the versions that we're going to talk about here, it can evolve into its own type two jam monster. Um, And it's been a song that has been, you know, for, for some fish fans, kind of a, a thorn in their side. It, it shows up in the second set. Okay. Everything's over. But for other fans, there are elements to this song, both in the pure form of it that are perfect, beautiful. But then there are also this, like the, the unknown is possible within this song. So it has this like push and pull in a lot of ways. That's a lot. I'm going to pause and throw it to one of you guys. Well, go ahead, Megan. Yeah, I think this song to me has always been something that's can feel so different in different moments. It's like a lullaby. It's an anthem. It's one of the first kind of like anthemic songs that they had. It's sweeping and it's a jam vehicle. I first heard this on a tape of the Blossom Show from 62095. And I just remember hearing also a lot of talk about how it opened the 123095 MSG show. And the first time I heard it live was in Europe 96 and they played it twice on that run. And then I heard it again at Red Rocks a few weeks later. And then Billy Breeze is released, you know, a few months after that. And I, that's my second favorite studio album. And I just loved, loved the studio version of this song. And like you were saying, Brian, how it, how it bleeds out at the end of Billy Breeze is just so incredible. I've never heard that Abbey Road comparison, but it's really, really great. And it's such a, a song that like, it's, 
well-written as a song, but it also, the jams can be so variant. Like it can play with lightness and darkness in a way that works so well. It can produce these like heart swelling builds and like delicate kind of intimacies, but also these rocking peaks and giant crescendos. And I love a song that can be either like a lion or a lamb. And also that drop back in like, like that is just the fucking best. Like who doesn't like that? So I love Caspian. And my favorite memory of Caspian is that after I had my daughter, it was the summer in June in 2008, and I used to listen to this song and sing it to her and just rock her outside on the deck when she was trying to go to sleep when she was a newborn. And it just has always had a really special place in my heart. So I was so excited, Levi, that you brought this idea because I just I could wax poetic about the song forever, and I love it. So thank you for bringing this to us. I love it too. And uh, it has a special place in my heart as well for reasons I suspect we will get into in uh, uh, soon. Um, but my concern to thus far, given this, what, what we're, you know, around the room, it's like, sounds like we don't even need to defend Prince Caspian. Seems, it's got the, <laughs> seems, seems at least in this group, it's got the love yeah. it deserves. But, but, but I know that's not necessarily the case of all listeners. And hence, like, I think this is, this will be a fun conversation for sure. But for me, and when I got into fish in the late '90s, um, I, I, for whatever reason, I kind of bucketed Caspian in the same group of songs with like "Bug" or um, "Rogue" or "Limb," in that they could provide this like landing pad for a big jam, and yet not just serve as you know the slowdown filler until the next thing, but but actually like intensify the set from landing pad to peak. And, and so to me, it was like this, it was most successful in this transitory transitional role where it could be at once landing pad and vehicle. Right. Um, admittedly at the time, I didn't quite realize what kind of vehicle it could be. Right. And I think we'll talk about that in Magnaball and beyond. Um, but I didn't, yeah, but like it, it was, it, it wasn't until maybe a couple of years into being seeing fish a lot that I even learned about the uh, some of the stigma and the Caspian like criticism, which was shocking to me at the time because it was a song that I, I I fell in love with right away. Yeah, I mean, I you know, if we were talking about in defense of possum, you know, we're having a different conversation here. <laughs> or, or my soul, right? In my soul, my God, Roger. Or like, or or like no, in, in the in the ninety seven, like even in defense of of zero, right? Where it was played like every mm-hmm. third, like you know, but yeah, like yeah. yeah. This, yeah anyway. Yeah, it's different. It's like, but to me, this song and when we talk at the end about a couple of notable versions that that we're gonna we're gonna recommend or talk about, like I, I feel like this song and um, Megan, thanks for putting together the playlist. That was really yes. great. Um, which maybe we can post that just for pe- if people want to listen to all the officially released jam charted versions. We have a live fish per- playlist. Thanks to Megan. Um, but you know, it's kind of a um, it's kind of a vehicle. It's like a a little bit of a blank slate for whatever period we're in. You know, you listen to like a 96 version. It sounds like 96. You listen to like the Island tour version and it's like a little more drawn out, a little more drony, a little more like, you know, Island tour vacation sounding. It's just, it's cool to go and listen to this song in the context of different eras. Cause it kind of reflects those eras and just how they play the song and how, how they sing it and the, the jamming or lack of jamming. So it's like a, yeah, I mean, I have no problem with this song, but I, but I, I think a lot of people do. Um, what's the? Can we talk about the? Um, can we talk about why people dislike it? 
and and go into that the in the story from Jew Hits, which I you know, I just I still don't you know if you, sometimes fish fans are just you know not good at being fish fans, but but I but I think Jew probably has a defensible uh, perspective on this. But even when they're not good at being fish fans, they are good at being hilarious, and the story yeah, is pretty effing hilarious. <laughs> that is a great caveat for sure. It's always. <laughs> It's all nonsense and fun anyway. So that's a that's a really good point. I feel like this song, and this is, you know, come from someone who came in after the late 90s, but what I always heard was there was a shift between 95 and 97 where things became a little bit more simple. The jamming became a little bit more straightforward, groove-oriented, and this is not an insult. I love Night Fall 97. We're going to talk about that at some point in the next couple of weeks. Um, but Caspian kind of song-wise kind of def- like uh, plays along with that shift where it's, it's just a couple of chords played straight with lyrics that have some meaning, but also don't that, uh, you know, are designed to be sung at the top of your lungs. And then the jam itself in most cases in the nineties, didn't go too far out there. It kind of just built in an arena rock swell and it builds that break that you were talking about, Meg, that is a, an arena rock move. Like it, it, it plays within the lane. It plays within the lines. It doesn't really, or it didn't really in its origins kind of experiment too much. Now that has changed in the last couple of years, but my impression was always, it seemed to represent a simplification of fish that a lot of early nineties fish fans were very concerned about. And so it would show up in the middle of a set coming out of a complex jam. And it was kind of just the way that people would feel about waiting in the velvet sea later. It felt a little cheesy. It felt a little earnest, but also it felt a little silly and it wasn't stash. It wasn't you enjoy myself. It wasn't David Reba. Yeah, yeah. Reba. Yeah. It wasn't this complex sort of composition. I mean, do you guys, you guys were there during that shift. Did you guys feel that way? I mean, I think one thing's interesting is that thinking about it, not being a jam vehicle is the reason people didn't like it in the nineties is, is definitely not true because like uh, most songs didn't jam in the nineties, you know, the frequency of like 20 plus minute jams in the nineties, early to mid nineties, it just wasn't there like it is now. But I think that being a set killer for sure. And also the frequency that it was played, you know, those are two things that I think people were really complaining a lot about then. I did some stats because, you know, after 40 for 40, that's kind of my thing now. And I was looking at the numbers about it because I think it's a little bit of an unfair thing to say that it was overplayed. It was played a lot, but it wasn't, it was also new. And I think that now we're used to new songs getting played a lot. Like if you look at the most commonly played data, it's all the new songs usually, you know, and it's except for like Chalk Dust Torture, but like everything else is like the new song and that's kind of what they do. And so they're going to play new songs and Trey was playing the song a lot, especially when it was new. But in 1995, it debuts in June. There's 189 songs played that year in 81 shows and Free is played the most at 31 times. Caspian 17. So it's half as much. It's a new song. And that's what happens, right? New songs get played a lot. 96, 167 songs in 70 shows. Taste is most commonly played at 28, okay, 17 again at Caspian. Caspian. Right. Yeah. So it's it's still about half as much as the most commonly played song. 97, 196 songs, 78 shows. Character Zero played 32 times. 
This is the year that it kind of creeps up. It's played 22 20, times. It goes up yeah. in year three. It goes right? up. It's, it's not, like, it's, it doesn't follow that trend of new song yeah, going down. It's going up. It's going up. And 97, it didn't get the cow funk treatment, right? But it does start to jam this year. Like, and it, you know, it, it hits the jam chart nine times this year out of 22 times when it's played. So like nine times. Nine times. That's kind of a, that's almost half of the times it was played, it hit the jam chart. So it was stretching out even when it was a brand new song, which I think people have always said like, oh, it didn't jam. It didn't, it, it actually did. So I think that's kind of interesting. And there's more stats about that for 98 and 99. I'm not going to bore you, but it definitely stays under half. It's like a third in 98 and it goes down to half again in 99. So it's a song that Trey likes, but I don't think it's fair to say it was played all the time and that it didn't stretch out when it was played. There, uh, Go ahead. I, I just want to say that there's a comment um, from someone on Instagram who said, "Pretty sure you guys are overthinking it." And if if <laughs> if, if you think that, you should tune into tune into the, to this to our next show, and you'll see if we're overthinking it because that's, that's kind of what we. Welcome do. to a podcast. I'm glad that this is your first one. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate your attendance. No, I think to your point, Meg, and to your stats as well as to RJ's point about how it being kind of a chameleon and fitting mm. the sound the thing that's interesting is like if you listen to the 95 and 96 versions those don't really fit the sound of where fish was at and in 97 you can certainly make the argument that it's not getting the cow funk uh, approach but even in the fall the versions outside of 1212 which is that type two monster sounds like it goes into isabella it sounds like hendrix the ones before that are in line with the kind of ambient jamming that was starting to creep into Fish's mm. sound. Think the Vegas stash, the Philly, David Bowie. Um, Prince Caspian was getting that. It was it was heroic. It was stretched out. Everything was just like elongated. It wasn't, you know, they were in no rush to get to the peak and it really catered to that, which is a part of the Fall 97 sound, even though everybody thinks that it's just a funk tour. Totally, mm -hmm. but it's but it was still primarily type one, right? Outside of that twelve twelve. Right, it's not like yeah, yeah. Keys or anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It didn't it didn't paint outside the lines, but could still be exciting and adventurous. And so, one of the things that that you know, I wasn't there in 95, 96 to see these initial versions. But one of the my perception is that the song was really written and developed for this like anthemic arena rocks vibe that the the reviews and the feedback from folks who were there that I trust suggest that they just they just weren't there yet to pull it off in that format and that was maybe part of the initial pushback and um mm -hmm. and, and criticism it was just like uh here as you know as Brian put uh Brian said succinctly like it's it, it was a uh it's a song that was simplified, right? The chord progressions yeah. are simple. The lyrics are simple. It was like the antithesis of the complexity and the creativity, totally. like what everyone fell in love with this band. And so we here we have this like simple song that may have been written to do a particular thing really well. And yet the band wasn't quite ready to deliver that particular thing really well at that time. And I, I can't Where help the fans weren't that, ready to hear it, right? Yeah, right, right. One or the other. Yeah, precise. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, they talk about how they struggled with that in Fall 96, and Prince Caspian is played throughout Fall 96, but I don't 
I can't like pull out of my head like a real standout bird. versions yeah, from that. Either. Or like yeah. Fall '97. Yeah. To your point, like they're ready to be an arena rock band. Their sound exactly. matches yeah. the arena. Like those sounds do not match theaters. Like that, the sound yeah. that they're playing in '97, '98, '99 needs to fill up a twenty thousand person uh, person room. And Caspian caters to that in a really cool way. Yeah, in the same way that Zero delivered that set closing punch, right? Cool. Like, yeah, for sure. Okay, so. Let's talk about what. So, why is this bad again? What happened? Too many times it was played. But who's going to tell the 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 the, the dot net story? Uh, you want me to tell? I, I think yeah. Brian. Or I don't. Yeah, Brian Shell. But we should say, like, you know, Megan correctly pointed out that it was even in those years, it wasn't the most frequently played song. But they're still playing this song more than you know, roughly once every four nights, or more, or in some cases, more than every four nights, and largely in the second set too, right? It wasn't like that intro, yeah. like it's like mid-second set, so it's like premium position. All of which I think leads into the story that Brian's about to tell. The important thing to remember is that facts are not important here. My feelings are the facts. Okay, my feelings are important. <laughs> That they played this more than they actually played it. That is what counts. Um, yep. So Drew Hits, uh, those of you uh, out there in Fishbowl, you should know him. He was one of the smartest uh, people to talk about or think about fish. Uh, he's been on Undermine a number of times as well as this podcast. Um, he wrote in about um, the origins of fucker pants and he titled this essay the origin of the species and they crossed out species <laughs> wait so i thought that was jonathan that was actually drew who did that, <laughs> that, was, that was hilarious that was, um all right so here it is here's the story of how i came to give the fish song prince caspian the nickname fucker pants 11 29 wait can, since my kids might be watching this can we call it cusser pants you know like cusser pants out? yeah no, cusser I'm, pants. sorry I'm, kids I'm, I'm, cut out we'll cut out Eleven twenty nine ninety seven set two contains the famous runaway gym, which had me muttering to myself and high fiving strangers. But in nineteen ninety seven, you could afford to be selfish. And later in the set, when they dropped into a fourth quarter Caspian, I rolled my eyes hard. This was my fourth show of the fall tour and my third Caspian, which felt excessive. See, feelings matter. It was yeah. also my seventeenth in barely over two years. I was yeah. done. That's I posted the set list as soon as I got back to my parents' house in Sudbury, as I always did after a show when I had internet connection. In my quasi-official style of the day, I wrote Fucker Pants, commonly known as Prince Caspian, like it was some kind of official name for it with no other explanation in the post. Here's a screenshot of the set list and the rec.music fish post that comes it comes from. We should post this on uh, Instagram. Hopefully that person who is annoyed by us thinking too hard thinks too hard about the set list. Uh, the next day, my good friend, Charlie Dirksen, started a blaze from one tiny spark. You guys catch that reference? By also referring to it as fucker pants in a post, and it was off and running. It spread faster than I could ever imagine. It wasn't overnight, but it really wasn't very long until every single serious fan, quote, serious, okay? We're defining serious versus unserious fans here, mm -hmm. would know exactly what you meant if you said <laughs> fucker pants, which is wild and hilarious and my crowning achievement in life, which is not true, Okay, Drew's done some really, really impressive stuff. Don't cut yourself short here, Drew. This is the second most important thing. Yeah, after bringing back the second mic's gem. Yeah. That is number one. There we go. There we go. Important. 
Um, maybe, maybe at the time, maybe at the time, this was the most important. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. At the time. So I want to, there's, there's a bit of a semantics here because the part of the story is how the word fucker pants came into existence. The story has probably morphed in my head over the years as all do, but the premise is my dear friend, Peter's little brother, Paul, AKA the bullet started cussing up a storm when he was five and their father sprung into action. He told little bullet that he couldn't go around swearing because it was offensive to people, but that he would make a deal with him because he understood that sometimes you have to let off a little steam. Don't we all don't yeah. we all, this is where the story gets amazing. Thank God. The deal was that he would allow his son to make a list of every single swear word that he could possibly think of and say them into a tape recorder. And anytime five-year-old bullet was really mad about something, he was allowed to go to his room and listen to a swear word off the tape. But in exchange, he was never allowed to curse again for as long as he lived. Wow. Little bullet took seriously the fact that he would never be allowed to swear again for the rest of his life. So he was worried that he was going to leave one off the list and regret it forever to the point where he started making up swear words to cover his ass. One of the words he made up was fucker pants. So at one point in time, there was a cassette tape containing a five-year-old saying fucker pants. And that is the best part of the story. It's a pretty good story. Uh, Fast forward to 2022, somehow Tom Marshall, who I don't know well, but have become friendly with doing some stuff for Osiris, connected the dots that I was the guy who nicknamed the song he co-wrote with Trey, Fucker Pants. And he tweeted at me as the MPP version started, saying that he hoped I enjoyed it because he knew I was there. That was a hilarious moment. And that is the story of how I nicknamed Prince Caspian Fucker Pants. Addendum. There's an addendum to the story. Wow. Wow. Okay. I think I nicknamed it Fucker Pants in December 1995. I went to Halloween 96 in a Death to Fucker Pants t-shirt with a scary mask. So it's definitely <laughs> no later than summer 96. But no one outside the extended Northwestern fish circle of the time had ever heard it called that until that rec.music.fish post. And I wasn't trying to make it go wide. I was just feeling salty. Drew Hits got a 59-minute jam and then coined the term fucker pants later. Loved it. Can't okay. Yeah, you really can. And this is – that was a great story, which is going to be followed, no pressure, Levi, by another great story. Oh, man. Which is – because I think we need to get to your story now because we've, 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 we've done a good job of, you know – getting 40 minutes in without you actually talk, being able to talk about why you, I think it's, going, you, I think it's going really well. In that I mean, it really is. It <laughs> really is. Um, what, what, what is, tell us why, why this song for you? Yeah, like why, why, why was this even uh, on the table for yeah. like content uh, yeah. options for me? Right. So, um, so yeah, I'll give a little context uh, backstory here. I'll do my best to keep it succinct and you guys can be sure and tell me if I'm failing. Um, so, so yeah, like I, uh, got into fish in the late nineties and, and went in pretty hard and heavy, right. I'm a, I'm a nerd at heart. And this was something that was easy to nerd out on that I fell in love with. And I could talk for in, in a way that would, yeah, I, I won't bore the listeners with talking about how much I love this band and what it's done for me and for my friends and my family and so on and so forth. But what I will say, um, is that when fish, when, uh, Coventry was my 50th fish show. And at that point in time, like I was super satisfied with what I'd seen and with, with, what I, with, you know, with, with everything about the experience. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I was, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't have been happier in 2009 when the Hampton shows were announced, but, it, but, um, the relevance here is that about, uh, a month before Coventry and then 
uh, I met my, you know, my then girlfriend, now wife, Yana. Um, and this was, we got, we got married in 2008. We, you know, it was kind of a perfect, uh, perfect timing for me in that, like, Yana was not a fish band. She didn't know anything about this fish thing. It was like the band was over. It was like I was moving on with the next phase of my life and professionalism and career. And like it, it, did, it didn't come up a whole lot, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, in a way that's like today kind of shocking. Um, and so post-marriage, when when Fish uh, announced the Hampton shows and she's like, wait, you're going where you're going to Hampton, Virginia for four days. For like, what, tell, tell, what, what the hell's going on? Vacation? And Yana, who's probably listening, I don't know. She's actually taking the kids to piano lessons right now, but she, that wouldn't shock me if she's tuned in. Uh, like the musical overlap was real, right? Her favorite bands were the Talking Heads and Bowie. And like, you know, there was no shortage of, uh, no shortage of overlap, but it just didn't feel like the type of thing that at that point in time, like I needed to explain or articulate. Me, Long story, I'm doing a, already doing a really bad job of making this uh, story succinct. But point being that... Welcome <laughs> to the pod. I know, yeah, I know. I've learned, I've, le- I've learned from the best, right? You, <laughs> you've, taught, you've taught me well. Um, no, but, uh, but yeah, so when um, Fish comes back, Yana sees a few shows, probably because they weren't the best shows in 2009, 2010, or perhaps even because I was very... Uh, reticent or sensitive to the idea of like forcing this thing that I love so much on her in a way that I wanted to, I wanted it you know to happen organically and maybe I the pendulum swung too far and that for whatever reason she wasn't super into it for those first you know few years and yeah. uh, and long story short when my uh, my daughter Mila was born in 2013 and we then we were expecting our second child our uh, first son first and only son. Um, Yana proposed the idea Caspian for his name. And we had lots of really, it was so easy for us for girl names. We struggled with boy names. And, and we didn't, and like, I didn't have a lot of like, I didn't have a lot of backup options. Right. But, but what I did know is that I didn't want to have to explain to her or to my son that like his alias is fucker pants. Right. Like that's not a good idea. (laughs) So, so like, I, so I was totally, you know, opposed. And again, Yana's coming at this, not through the angle of fish fandom, but through like the Caspian sea and like nautical vibes. And I gotta be honest, it is a pretty sweet, pretty cool name. Right. So, so Yana's advocating for Caspian, Caspian as to be the name of our son. I am pushing back and, uh, and for reasons that you guys understand, for reasons she didn't um, at that time, anyway, more to the story later. Um, and so uh, fast forward to like to Magnaball. And I think, Brian, you were expecting around the same time I've heard your. Um, and so uh, my you know big group of friends, so excited for Magnaball, all of my buddies, many of whom are probably sitting here on the chat listening to me tell this story less effectively than I have in the past. Um, <laughs> but uh, but they all knew this Caspian like you know name drama, and sure enough, that August twenty second second set after yeah. what was a really good forty six days and a really really good tweezer drops into Caspian right, and everyone's like giving me the nods and the looks like hey you know is this your son's name like and uh, the rest is history right we know what happens like the. Words can't describe how magnificent that Caspian was, um, mm. and we. Um, I think we may or may not talk more about whether it's Tweezer, Caspian, Tweezer, but that's irrelevant at this point. What was what was not um, was that the like 
if if I was looking for a sign as to whether or mm. not like she was on on point with the Caspian, uh, that's it. It, it was clear. It wouldn't. It wouldn't even to call it a sign would be an understatement. It was like freaking Nicholas telling me directly from the top of the mountain <laughs> or the volcano, as it may be. Um, <laughs> it was Nicholas demanding that the boy be named Caspian, and so uh, I called her immediately after the set. I changed my mind, Yana. Yana, I've changed my mind. I think Caspian is the right name. After oh, all. I love that. Uh, That's magical. And as as yeah, it was it was mad. It was like one of those just like you know those weird situations where like fish and life, right? Like inter- the intersection yeah. there where it's just like there. Yeah, there's. I don't know if it's coincidence. I don't. All I know is like there's a sign here, and so uh, a month later, six weeks later, uh, little Prince Caspian was born, and he's amazing and awesome and no longer little and. Um, and, and, and probably, and probably would be like running in here from piano lessons, making an appearance at some point. But, um, so Talks that's, that, you now and yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, like yeah. he's like, that's not the best version of Caspian. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, but so like, so that's part of the story is like, you know, as a, as a fish fan who was acutely aware of the stigma and the, uh, you know, uh, the the cusser pants uh history and yet who loved the song so much it was like me coming to terms with the like i wasn't sure if i wanted to name my son after a, a fish song even loosely let alone if i did i'd be like let's call him tweezer right like that would have been like my go-to <laughs> but the, <laughs> but anyway but 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 for but but clearly it was meant to be the story takes another quick twist if i can enter chapter two which is that Please. uh a few years later Really starting, I guess, around like the uh, the Boston Cream Baker's Dozen night, I think was a turning point. Uh, Yana, my wife, become has like increasingly and uh, and and with intensity becomes a huge fish fan, right? And like we don't miss she sees every show with me now and has for years. Um, so now she's like getting so into fish and and two things. One. It, forces her to realize why I was skeptical, why, why I pushed back on it. She's like, why, why is everyone talking shit about Caspian? Like this song's amazing. This is our son's name. Come on. What are they talking about? Um, so that's, that's a part of it. But then the other part was, you know, like all I can say is fish works in mysterious ways. And so Yana went all in uh, and is all in on fish. And what is the one song every five shows, 10 shows, 15, 20, 30, like what's the one song she's chasing? Prince Caspian, right? Like no. the, 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 that like doesn't the, seem right. It's impossible. It's, it's statistically like absurd, right? The, the Steinberg Zizek stats, wow. like, have like, it, it was, That's I forget crazy. the percentage. It, was, it broke the stats. Yeah. It's like, right. it, it, it's impossible. Wow. This period of time to see 35 fish shows without seeing Caspian. So Although suddenly, I will say, I went 24 years without seeing Caspian. 97? Between versions. To 2021. Yeah, I, I didn't see it for 24 yeah, that's, years. Yeah, that is crazy. That's pretty crazy. Obviously, there was some and, time off for me and for the band, but but it is weird now, I think. That's that's very weird to be going to shows regularly and not see it. That to be seeing shows regularly. So much but so when she gets it, it's going to be amazing. Well, well, it has happened for, for okay, clarity. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so but, but yeah, whew. but uh, but so like, you know, here – it reached a, I think it reached it reached a boiling point at, in the Mexico twenty two shows, where it had been like an, just an absurd amount of shows with that with no Caspian to the point where like she may or may not have threatened divorce if they don't play it in Mexico. 
Wow. Uh, <laughs> she thinks you can I, pull I can, some strings. I, I, yeah, I can, only, I can only assume. I can only hope it was a joke. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so just to like set the stage, there's a like a ridiculous everything's right jam uh, going down that third night in Mexico. Awesome. Get already successful and just on the verge of getting deeper and, and like, you know, let's go. And the, and Trey aborts the ER jam for Caspian and the celebration on the balcony, RJ, which you can relate to having been there the following year. It was as if it was like Terrapin Station, Bob Beach 98 style, like celebration for <laughs> where, like everyone's like for Yana. Like, for, awesome. you know, um, like and I'm sure everyone thought we were crazy. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but just like the the absurdity of like, you know, 100 and what, 50, 60, 50 shows into seeing fish and 30 Caspians. Like, here I am, like chasing the song for her. Not just this song. <laughs> Custer pants, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's just when you say it out loud, it's like you know, only in only for fish dorks does uh, this sort of situation a uh, it, is it possible, and b does it is it funny and resonate. So Dude. that's that's my Prince Caspian story. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Really, my great. son's my son's awesome too. And if you like, there's just no other name. I can't believe that there was any consideration of any like a Caspian Blankenship, like like the nautical vibe. <laughs> like that's just such a great name. Like what was yeah, I thinking? Why would I have let some somebody's criticism of Prince yeah. Caspian on the internet in 1996 change the way I thought about like yeah. You know, take so, that, so, Drew I'm, hits. I'm, take that, yeah. Drew. And so so a I'm so glad that uh, that Magnaball uh, taught me or you know showed me the way or like. Show me, show me the light, and and therefore that we're here talking about this today. So. Amazing, thank I you, Louie. Thanks for sharing that. That's a yeah. that's a really awesome story. Um, I actually well, we made, do... I actually made it all up. So. <laughs> <laughs> even get on the show. <laughs> Wasn't even at Magna Ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have kids. Um, I don't have kids. <laughs> we have to. So you mentioned Magna Ball. We we each chose two versions we wanted to share, other than Magna Ball, because we knew we would talk about it, but. You mentioned it, but what what else do you all have to say about Magna Ball, the Magna Ball, Prince Caspian? Because that was a that was kind of a historic moment in a lot of ways. Okay. I thought so. Can I be honest about something? Yeah. Are you going to do the tweezer Caspian tweezer thing? No, I'm not one <laughs> oh, of those okay. people. I I actually I, I I believe in the truth, <laughs> and and the truth is that it is tweezer into Caspian. Anyone who tells you that tweezer Caspian tweezer is a liar, they're lying to themselves and to everyone around them. Um, I so I I love Prince Caspian. I think I stated early on that I I loved it as a as a fan, but I understood and I, I was I was a I was acquainted with the cusser pants story and the the fact that it could ripcord jams and i'd seen it happen from time to time and i remember being in that field and absolutely loving that tweezer that tweezer is gorgeous it's deeply underrated if any tweezer at a festival could be deeply underrated it's that one because of what comes <laughs> next which is probably why people try to tack on tweezer to screw yeah. over caspian and give tweezer another you know moment yeah. um and i remember i was texting with my brother who is not there which you're not supposed to do at a fish show, but whatever I was. And he was like, this tweezer is beautiful. He was like, every time the camera like zooms back, like it looks like the sun setting. It just looks gorgeous. I was like, the music is matching the moment perfectly. Like I was just, I was so happy. That is my zone of music. And then there is no segue. They cut off tweezer and go into Caspian. And I remember texting him and going, 
I wish that tweezer had kept going and, and just like feeling like this is what happens sometimes with Caspian. It's just Trey just barrels in and says, we're playing this right now. Mm -hmm. And then they drop out of Caspian Fishman's drums are just and it's like echoing throughout the entire field and it builds in for the next 10 minutes. And I hugged so many strangers. It was on par (laughs) musically with watching the Chicago Cubs win the world series. It was a, I don't believe what I'm seeing right now. I don't believe what I'm feeling right now. Everybody was losing their minds. It was, it was legendary. I mean, RJ, you were there. You feel the same way. Well, I'm just going to say, imagine if in that moment you also were realizing that like you're, your son's name had to be Caspian app, right? Like that's, it was all of that intensity that you just described in that moment of like, I can't believe that this is, you know, anyway, so yes. That's it. That's it. It's really, really awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's, it was a, it was a huge moment. I mean, just standing out in that field, I I think the, um, I'm not sure I really understood it when it was happening. I was just sort of like blown away by that whole show, you know, and, and to have that, and the set, I was very confused about what was happening, but I like knew it was just awesome. It was like one of the, like, I was like, there's, this is not, this can't be Prince Caspian still. Like something must have happened in the meantime, because it's just too, it's like too wild. Um, it was a great moment. I think like a very notable moment, maybe led to also, you know, we've talked about 2017 and, and uh, kind of stretching out of non, non jam songs. And I think, in some ways, this was like the start of that, um, which, yeah, you know, call. continued mm-hmm. in, in into the Baker's Dozen and beyond. But, yeah, I mean, what a, what an amazing moment. And I can't believe that that all happened to you, Levi. Really, really cool. <laughs> I know. I love that. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah, I say two quick things. One, uh, while clearly I am firmly in the camp of Tweezer into Caspian and not Tweezer, Caspian, Tweezer. Um, I will say, though, that the teaser tweeze around the seven and a half minute mark, I think, seven and a half to eight minute mark, to me, to my ears, like really unified and established to the band themselves that, like, yes, we're doing this, right? Whereas, like, the first few minutes, like, they broke free of, of Caspian proper pr- promptly upon the jam. And yet it was, it wasn't. Even being there for those first couple minutes, I wasn't certain that we're about to get like a crazy type two cast me in. It felt like at any point it could fade out into a zero set closer. Right? Yeah. Um, but it, I when even still listening back, that tweezer tease really ignites and unifies around like a direction. And from there, it's a game on explosion. And like, I would argue, I, I legitimately would argue those to the best peak of 3.0. Not like... Because it wasn't the traditional like build, 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 bright light peak, but like this just organic bump, like swelling of energy, and then the and the mic, uh, you know, crazy in the way that the the neither the boards or the odds can pick up on, but like the the bass notes that Mike drops in that uh, peak, and the way it just mm. shot through the like. It can't be captured on recording. You had to feel it. And trust me, it was like you felt it. it yeah, was, yeah. It was yeah. insane. So anyway. Yeah, no, it's, it's a awesome. good point. And I, do, I will say, if you look at the LP on LP uh, vinyl releases that Fish has done, they've, this is the, they've done two from 3.0, this, this Tweezer and a Caspian and the, and the, the Ruby, Ruby Waves. Waves. Yeah. yeah, from Alpine. So, I mean, it is. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about that until you said it, but I guess it probably is one of the biggest 
biggest peaks of 3.0. That's it's kind of awesome in 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 multiple ways. My biases are obvious, but I'll stand by it. <laughs> <laughs> it also like legitimized this song. I think in a way, it allowed you like you know the way that like Trump has allowed like racists to come out and like say <laughs> like plant their flag out like this. The Magnaball like Caspian was you could come out and be like I like Caspian like I love Caspian and I'm not ashamed anymore. Like, I I can say it. Safe space for fans fans. Exactly. Not, yeah. not that, and I think that, you know, Trump, you know, people that Megan's describing and Caspian fans are probably exact opposites in, in most <laughs> ways. If there, if there is a Venn diagram, it's, it's small, but they're not, um, they're not very they're, overlapping. Yeah. It's, but it's we, been well documented that Caspian fans are very, very, very big fans of low taxes. So that's, that's where, <laughs> that's where the problem is. Everything's not overlapping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to lead this off if that's okay with you guys, just in Please. terms of a couple, a couple Let's versions. Um, so I went back to the debut, the 6895 um, debut, which is rough because they don't really know the song and they don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> but it's the first show of the most important year of their career to date, maybe still. And it's just like amazing to, to hear them. And like Paige is kind of singing at the wrong parts. And it's just like a little rough. But at, at the end, Trey says, we just wrote that one. You guys are the first people to hear it. And it's just like they're starting this huge summer tour and they decided to just like play this song that clearly wasn't that well rehearsed. And it just like the crowd went nuts and it's just really cool how, how the crowd gives them this room to experiment, you know, and it's just like a beautiful thing that they're like, here, we just played this song, not that well. And everyone went nuts. So that's that. And it's a, it's an interesting, um, ad, you know, kind of evolution to today. The other one is four five ninety eight, which is just, like I was saying earlier, like the show, this song like really adapts to whatever the style is. And this version is just perfect for the the last night of the Ellen tour. The intro mm-hmm. has like a little more effects. The chorus like Trey's like just has extra, you know, he's just there. It's so celebratory in the vocals. And then there's like a little jam before the outro. And it just like, it just captures the Island tour sound in a way that is, is really cool. And, um, Again, Megan, thanks for putting that playlist together. Because I listened to, I don't know, like a hundred versions of Prince Caspian this week, and I was like, "What am I doing? I'm just listening to the same show, same song over and over." And you still and, yeah, and it's it, great right? because the, yeah. way, the way that they like all start in and out. Like I was like, I'm, "Is this yeah. a new version or not? I don't even know." At some point, <laughs> yeah, and it was when I was putting it together, I was really, I was trying to decide if I should do it chronologically and I decided to do it in reverse just because that's the way I wanted to hear it but then it was so fascinating like listening to the song kind of like devolve back to it's where it began but yeah that Providence version is gorgeous the ending is so beautiful it's so delicate and patient love it and the way it flows out of Yamar too it's yeah it's it's awesome it's really really good who's gonna go next Levi why don't you take us give us us your versions Am I doing this so so that we can uh, I can decide if I'm taking twelve thirty ninety eight or if you are? <laughs> <laughs> you are the first. I'll, I'll, I'll get first choices. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. So I'll start with twelve thirty nine. Actually, no. Let's talk more about Magnaball. No, so yeah, twelve twelve thirty ninety eight. I'll I'll uh, this this version this show significant to me for a few reasons. One, um, I mean, talk about like the beginning of of. Uh, you know, the beginning of, of, of history of Trent. This was my first MSG show. It was my first 1230 show. I think I've seen 40 MSG G shows now, maybe 12, 1230. Like, so th- this was, 
the be- the beginning of just a new tradition in my life, right? But like we're on December 30th, you're at you're seeing fish and it's likely at Madison Square Garden. Um so the Caspian itself, I think, is notable for a couple of reasons. Well, three reasons. One, just the patience and the build and the uh, the, the intro is elongated, stretched out a few additional minutes in a way that is um it's really beautiful, beautiful, but also like contemplative and like the, the patience jumps out at me right away, particularly on the heels of a slow build patient Piper, as was the norm in 98. Right. And we'll maybe talk more about that flow component in a second. But um, but a, I, I, I love the the extended intro. The peak itself in the Caspian is phenomenal. Just fire, just like. You know, it, unto itself, it would be a highlight of just how uh, how much energy and and trays shredding the the way they brought that casting to a peak. But then, for it to return to the delicate, beautiful, patient outro, so you've got these like lengthy, extended, um, minimalistic, beautiful playing on either side of a massive Caspian peak. And so for those reasons, well, not type two or, um, you know, in no way did it break, it did it uh, paint outside the lines of what we expect from Caspian. And yet I feel like it is like the prototypical version of like the, the slow build, old school yeah. slow build, massive peak and, uh, and, you know, gradual exit. So that's a. It's like it's just. I think it's just like a perfect Caspian. In if you if you don't want, uh, you know, type two jamming, and but also I think in a way that I didn't fully appreciate at the time. Right, I was what seventeen, eighteen. Like I I, I kind of remember being a little disappointed in that set because it just didn't bring the the energy maybe that. It's a very old. like quiet. It's, it, it, it's a it works really well as like a full listen, but there's not like a ton of dynamics in the jamming. It's very ninety eight mm. contemplative ambient jamming. Like that disease is gorgeous. Uh, the coil, like you're saying, it's yes, yeah. but it's it's not. It doesn't rage the way that the year before did. No, and but but now I realize, nor should it have, because it's perfect, right? And you guys talk so much about flow, and for good reason, right? Like, that is the true distinguisher between good shows, good sets, and great and elite shows and elite sets, is like that, the flow, the narrative arc, the, co, the coherent nature, and that disease, Piper, Caspian as the bridge than to coil and slave like it just couldn't be any other way that yeah. five it's 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 why so why we love five song sets so much you know, like it's not just because it's not just because it's four or five songs it's because the fewer songs played the less chance there is to like make a miss a misstep in the flow right it's just like it's yeah. it's, it's perfect and it couldn't be any other way so anyway so 12 30 98 shout out big respect love it is um it's an awesome version um <clears throat> i feel like for the next one, I, I'm not. I'm gonna eight five. Eight five this this uh, Baker's half dozen Caspian from this summer is spectacular. Um, 
And I have a lot to say about it, but in, in the interest of time, I'm going to instead talk about 12, 12, 10, 87. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take a really quick uh, back step on the, on the 1230 version. And I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this. And I'm looking at the clock and realizing RJ is probably about to cut me off. But um, <laughs> I would not ask her speech, <clears throat> but like music is coming in this. like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like So we have we're listening back to Megan's playlist, like forced not forced, I was excited to go back and listen to all these old Caspians with the really slow, pretty intro before we hit the initial like power chords. Um, and we've got all of the old slow build pipers. And now as I think about it, even like the slow creeping intro to ghost and maybe an episode for another day, but like what happened to all of the, the the patience and the slow entry into these songs? And now it's like right into the ghost chords or right into Caspian or right into Piper. And I just find it curious and interesting um, that like that particular, I, have, I, I also have a thesis or hypothesis as to why, another, <laughs> another episode for another day. Um, but it's just worth pointing out that a lot of what makes that set and its flow so great and so many of these old versions great is the patience with which the song arrived. That, there are no <clears throat> rush. Yeah, yeah no rush. That. Yeah. <laughs> today, I do think... Yeah, go ahead. No, no. I was just, Today, there is rush into the song, and yet there's also the greater potential for insanity at the end, other side. So, like, you know, yeah, pick the better with the better. Uh, I think, to me, like, I think they just found the right they found the things that fulfill that, you know, they like, what's the use being the the number one example. It's just like, if you're going to like, if you're going to do the like quiet thing, then we'll just play what's the use, you know, right, or, right, right, or, right. we have, or like, we have other tools to, yeah. Or, or other ballads that he's written, that Trey's written recently. I just feel like that's, but I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a theory, but it's interesting because that, there was that less totally has changed. Then. You know, there was, but it's totally changed. Yeah. There's so many fewer mid tempo to slow tempo songs then. Well, and their jamming now is much more, um, we'll take a little bit of this sound from this era, a little bit of this mm -hmm. sound, and it's all kind of um, uh, like a mosaic of who Fish was and where Fish is going. Whereas in 98 and 97 and 99, like the jamming was much more focused around a unified sound that the band was experimenting in at that time. And you kind of reach a point where like, unless you know unless you're going to be in one solitary space you've kind of experimented in all the sounds and styles available from a rock standpoint so now you just combine those and figure out where the overlap is and that's where things get really exciting um in 3.0 and 4.0 hey listeners i want to tell you about music masters collective a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Stephen Page, Justin Furstenfeld, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe and special guests for Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and so much more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open and spots are already filling up, so register soon. Scholarships are also available 
and spots are extremely limited, so visit magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. That's magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash helping friendly. That's distrokid with a capital K dot com slash VIP slash helping friendly for a special offer. Thanks, DistroKid. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Meg, do you want to go with one of yours and we'll kind of go around here twice? Yeah. Um, well, Levi predicted that this would be my choice, so I guess I'm predictable. But the <laughs> Pittsburgh 7 17 just gorgeous right off the bat. You know, like you were saying, Levi, I think one of the things that really hit me about listening to all these versions of Caspian in a row was how willing they are to stay after the peak. And I think that this version really pursues beyond the peak. It's so contemplated and patient, so soulful. Mike is just delivering so hard in this version. Pages on the organ, sultry, it's sublime. And then it just crescendos into that gorgeous peak. And when you hear them come back in after, Trey's like triumphant joy when he starts singing. You can just hear he's so happy. He's smiling. Everybody knows they've been on this awesome journey together and you can hear it in his voice. And this version, it's just, it's fantastic. And phenomenal. Yeah. it's phenomenal. It's, it's just, it has everything I want in a jam. Mm-hmm. And, and I was so, I kind of forgot about it. I think text one it, or text change. Yeah. Right? Like what you walk up out of this and you're like, bike drop, like this is all we need. But I forgot about this version until this exercise. And I just was so happy to listen to it again. And I've listened to it like three times this week. It's also, I mean, that's such a great version. It's also similar to the Magnaball version. Like, I don't think that that one was as like world altering in the way that the Magnaball version was, where it's like, oh my God, you can do this with Caspian. But, but that is the last show before the Baker's Dozen. And if you think about those five shows that lead up to the Baker's Dozen, you get that huge simple on night two um, in Chicago, huge completely on night three. Mr. Completely would come later in the set in Pittsburgh, that Dayton second set. Like you want to talk flow, you want to talk perfection. You actually want to talk about a really slow, uh, sultry intro to Ghost. Oh my God, like the wombat from that (laughs) set. Like my God, there's a Mountains in the Mist in there. Speaking of like, where does the band find quiet? But that Caspian was this other moment because that Pittsburgh, shows a little uneven but that caspian comes in at the end of this first set that was a little okay they're saving stuff for when they get to madison square garden it was like to rj's point earlier about how the magnaball caspian felt like a oh my god every song is available to jam it only reassured that like it only gave you the 
why are they playing Prince Caspian now in this spot? This is so, oh, now I get it. They're jamming and it's just like monumental, like huge version. And then to Levi's point, I think it's like two songs later, the second song of the second set, they play Mr. Completely for the first time since summer 2003 and jam that for 20 minutes. And then we'll play that again on Powder Night. Like this Caspian was a signifier of what's to come. And it was so exciting to hear in the moment. Absolutely. And then I think in a way that may make sense in context or in hindsight, because they, the band themselves were preparing for like how we're going to play 13 straight nights without repeating a song. And the, the, totally. the, we need to rely on a few additional songs, like completely, but we also need to rely on our ability to improvise and create. And the Caspian was a precursor to that, as we saw countless times throughout the dozens. Follow whatever rabbit hole happens. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm going to go with my first version. Um, so I, I I dove around that like 97 to 99 uh, period in time because there's some really great versions of Caspian. I think Levi, the way that you talked about the 1230 version, the way that you talked about how, uh, and, and we both I think came to a consensus like, they stay within the lane, but they show you how much paint can get on the board and what, what you can do even while you're staying within it. Yeah. I came across the 925-99 version, which I had not heard in a long time. And this is not a show that I necessarily would recommend someone seek out immediately and go back and listen to. It's pretty uneven. Um, but this Caspian comes midway through the set. And it really exemplifies what the band could do in... 1999 and that was play in this atmospheric droney space and you get caspian little rough in the lyric section um this is kind of a period in fish's history where the singing was not the most uh it was not the it was not prioritized it was not prioritized that's the right way to play it but once you get past that and you start to go into the jam, Trey just starts throwing feedback on and it creates this kind of mm. droney exit and it feels industrial. It feels weird. But at the same time, he was so good at those kind of cascading notes at that point in time that you really hear in the 123098 version. So you get this kind of darkness and light that happens within it. It builds in this very hazy way. It's only like 11 or 12 minutes, but within that confine, like you're really just getting the sound of 1999 within Caspian. And it really makes me think about, um, you know, we've talked about the thematic points of this song, but this song does feel the way that it's, you know, the song is titled. It feels as though you're on the sea. It feels as though you're <laughs> on a boat, just like going through some storm and then, you know, lightness, you know, light appears and uh, things calm down and it's really contemplative and it's really beautiful. Like this version to me sounds like that. Like you're actually on the Caspian Sea, uh, you know, rain's pouring down, the wind is howling, and then suddenly there's a break in the storm and you're like, oh my God, there's no place I'd rather be. So 925.99, again, not a show I would def- necessarily recommend people go back and like really dig into. Um, but that, that version was particularly great. Um, Levi, I know cut. that you had mentioned deep, deep cut. Um, yeah, I was going to say this, the, the crazy thing to me is like, I don't know that I've heard that version. And so I'm, I, think, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, having listened to like 172 versions of Caspian over the last four days, <laughs> or, or apparently 171 or uh, exactly. But, uh, but, but I'll, have, I'll have to check, I'll have to check it out later. <laughs> There's always more fish. What is your, uh, what is your second version Levi that you want to champion? Yeah. So I think, um, I'll say that the the version from August fifth this summer first set at MSG, yes. love it. I think is like, I think it's the most 
uh, creative or divergent from core. Ver- I, I think it might. I, there's an argument to be made that it it is the most uh, abstract and interesting ver- version of Caspian, even more so than Magnaball and others. Um, and yet, given given recency, I suspect most have heard it. And if you haven't, you should go listen to it right now, um, or not right now, but you know, you know, twenty minutes or whatever. Um, when the podcast is over. When the podcast is over. But and so instead, I'm going to talk about twelve twelve ninety seven, and this one version. Uh, is I think relevant. Well, a it's amazing, but also I think it opens up another conversation that sometimes I've heard you all have that uh, that is something I think about a lot too, which is just like how we think about uh, songs and jams. And so I say this because the twelve twelve ninety seven Caspian is a, an eleven minute version according to the jam charts and Fishnet, and and the song that follows it is jam, and that jam is another, you know, whatever it is, like eight, nine minutes of just pure insanity in a way that like the gym is almost Isabella. It's like that. It's like, and then it backs off and goes like quiet and pretty and then segues back into Isabella. It is, it's, it's awesome, right? It's awesome. And it's like super underrated. No one talks about it. I think in general, the 12, 12, 97 show is underrated in the, Totally. With the bring yeah. the dude the following night. And so I get totally. like the Albany and just in the context of the the embarrassment of riches that is fall ninety-seven. So um and so like it's I I I've was surprised when I went back and listened to 12 12 97 and I'm like, actually, this is a 19-minute Caspian, and this is the longest Caspian ever played, and it's not treated as such in like the fish stat lore, because for no, whatever I- reason the post the post closing chords is a jam and not just Caspian in the same way. It would be like, you know, my art, my single favorite, favorite fish of all time is Fukuoka six fourteen two thousand, And, mm, and that high and in my list too. I, I've heard you talk about it a lot, Megan. It's, it's just, there's no two set. There's no like regular two set fish show like it. Um, and, the, for me. And, mm-hmm. and, and the highlight of that show is the jam out of twist, not the, yeah, not the yeah. twist, but the jam. And like, to me, that's I don't just like 30, when they do that. It's a 34 like minute twist. It's not an 18 minute twist into a 16 minute jam. It's, a yeah, it's like the cross-eyed it's a, jam it's a, after you're like, no, yeah. it's, it's yeah. That was for licensing reasons. The, the yeah. one thing I will say just between the two versions, the thing that I don't get about the Albany jam is that there's no, ending to the caspian yeah whereas yeah, there is like a clear like twist ends they fade and Ooh, there's, a connection, yeah. there's a connection and then the jam comes in but i'm that's with you true. right there like i would put that on a tape as twist 34 minutes yeah uh, okay fair fair but i so i i i cite the 12 12 97 version despite putting my plug in for 8523 because i think it deserves uh greater you know acclaim as an 18 minute as the longest Caspian ever played. Well, I thought I Brian to was going to pick that because it's. Oh, so really? Did I pick both. Mm-hmm. I picked both of yours, Brian. I'm no, you're good. Jerk. I, 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 I wanted to go as deep as possible. You're, you're made. This is amazing. I also really have to applaud you. You are a uh, podcast pro already because you had uh, two slots and you filled them with three jams and probably four or five. So that is you. You've learned really well. I've got two more. He's yeah. got two more. We're going to share your bonus ones out. Meg, super short, super short. What is your What is your second one, Meg? Well, it's crazy because it's also from 2017, but it's the Baker's Dozen version. I love this version. Just absolutely triumphant jam. You know, you're getting towards the end of the Baker's Dozen and you're just feeling like 
they've just done this, you know? I love this version because it has that kind of discordant ripping away at the seams feeling. It just feels very dangerous and just incredible textures melt into this haunting, haunting washes of sound. And then they stay there for two minutes and it just gets super scary. And it's got those eerie textures and that distorted singing about sucking on a lemon and it's creepy. It sounds like they're going to go into catapult. Like it's just, it's, it's awesome. And I love this version and I loved it then. And I love it now. And it's fun to listen to that and thinking about the 12, 12, 97, because that one gets so weird and creepy. And here's another version that does that as well too. It's a great version. And it also like, it kind of tied the, it connected the dots between those first five shows and the last and the, and the dozen, you know, from the mm-hmm. summer, because you, you know, you have that Caspian yeah. jam in Pittsburgh, you've got the Mr. Completely, then you get Mr. Completely in powder and you get another Caspian jam on lemon night. Like it really just showcased the band when they went on the road, started in Chicago and all the way to the end of the Dick's run. And, and I would even argue the MSG shows like those 17, is it 17? What is it? It's uh no, it's like 25 shows, whatever, 20, including MSG, whatever. Those shows are all unified in my mind. Like the Baker's Dozen is the Baker's Dozen, but like they went into that year knowing we have a finite amount of shows that we're going to play. And every single one of them is going to be chock full of really, really crazy highlights. And they all work every single one. Yeah. Um, That's an amazing version. My... So I'm going to be very predictable as well. And I'm going to go with a Dick's 2012 pick because um, you know, <laughs> I have to. And and, and it's a version to. I don't necessarily hear a lot of people talk about. Um, this is 9-1-2012. This was the first Type 2 version of 3.0. And I want to be honest again because I believe in honesty. Um, so this was the second song of the second set. They opened the second set with Golden Age. And if you recall, the early period of golden age's history was a quasi jam vehicle that never broke out of golden age um it was not until hampton 2013 that we got a full like oh my god we are expanding beyond what this song is capable of and now we're entering a new territory with this song and so the version um from dick's night two and this is coming the night after the fuck your face show which is a monumental night i remember walking into that show expecting to be disappointed because yeah. how do you top it? Where do you go from here? Yeah. And and they they opened the night two with Run Like an Antelope, uh, Tweezer into Fluff, or Run Like an Antelope, Number Line, Tweezer, Fluffhead, I think is how it went to open the show. So like they were coming to play again. They're like, uh, yeah. And then they, they play like a slightly formulaic second quarter, end the first set, whatever. Tons and tons of fun. They come out for the second set. And it was kind of this like moment of truth. Is this run going to elevate where the band is at at this point in time? Or are we just like, we got this amazing show on Friday and everything after that has been good. They come out, they play this golden age. It's a good version. Definitely recommend people checking it out, but they definitely rip cord to pet Caspian. And I, I will, I will never forget the groan that I uttered because it was the same thing as Magda Ball. It's like we, we were there and we just decided to throw Caspian in here. This is why we're doing an in defense of Caspian because, you know, this song toys with our emotions. This version immediately exits Caspian. Nuts. Similar to the Magnavite yeah, version, but so they're, not as, they're not as confident or powerful yet. They're still discovering what they can do at this point in time. 
Um, and one of the things that made 2012 and Dick's 2012 so exciting was like in the moment you saw them realizing like, holy shit, like we're, we're jumping off the cliff here and we're just like, we're seeing what happens. And like, you could watch it on the, on the stage. Like the guys were a little freaked out about what was going on, <laughs> but they were embracing it. Um, it goes into this big old rock peak and then yeah. fades down into silence and then it builds again and it goes into light and it goes into a very important version of light. It goes into the Dick's light, the jam that I think matches the Magnaball Caspian more than any other jam in 3.0. Like those peaks, that is a World Series winning peak right there. Like the mm-hmm. white lights, every single hand is in the air. People are high-fiving. People are hugging each other. This was a very critical moment, and Caspian is right at the center of it because this Caspian could have led to a set that just went completely off the rails. And, and instead it went to that light. But and instead, yeah. it, instead it jams, and then it goes to that light. And without that jam, I don't think that they knew that they could do what they were going to do because there's a moment in that light where it sounds like they're about to go into Boogie On, like seven minutes in, and it's just going to be completely abandoned, and they stuck with it. And this is all happening in the moment. Caspian is a huge part of it, so – very, very, very uh, loving, big version for this. Please go out and check that out if you have not listened to it in some time. Um, he's on a vengeance in that me- in that version. Just yes, totally. He is just like he is driving out of that ambient space. Like he's just like he's on a mission. It's so exciting to listen to that version. And there were so many moments like that from that weekend and that ca- like having that Caspian be a part of it. Yeah, I mean. If you're like listing, if you're ranking those jams for that weekend, it's not in the top five, but like that is, it's an embarrassment of riches that whole weekend in terms of the way the band was playing. Um, So I know we've all shared two. Let's go rapid fire here. Everyone's got one more. I know because I can look at the doc here. Meg, what's one more you got? I mean, I'm just going to say to Ventura 98 just has to get a shout out because it does. It's just one of the most beautiful versions that, that there is and that has to be said. And I would say probably my next version that we didn't get to talk about yet, I'd say probably uh, 123098 from MSG. Just great. Oh, wait, you talked about that one already. <laughs> I'm going to say the Alpharetta from 71423. Just absolutely beautiful. Great version. Soaring, beautiful type one peaks. And that's one thing I love about Caspian mm-hmm. is that it doesn't have to go type two to be amazing. Nope. It can be gorgeous when, when locked in. Yeah. Uh, what do you got, Levi? Give us one more. I was, I was, I was sending it back to you, but I'll take it if you want it. So um, I'm sending it back to you because, well, I'll, so at some point someone needs to mention 731.99. I'm not going to do, yeah. do, do it. I just did it. Do it. No, the, do the, it. The, the, the video's there. But, but really quickly, I think two, two things. We, one, I thought this would be like, I didn't know that this would get covered earlier in the way it did, but I think it still warrants mention here, the album version of Caspian. And I say that because to me, to me, Billy breathes. It's not the greatest collection of fish songs on a record, but it is the, my favorite fish record in terms of like the, you know, the album, the album as a piece of art, as a, as a, as a singular unified flow piece of art, like, um, I think Billy Breeze was not only the most successful example at the time of Fish creating an album that achieved those heights. Um, and, it, and it's funny because in my notes, I had referenced the back half of Abbey Road. Um, and then I like backed away because I didn't want to be hyperbolic. And then, Brian, you you like went right there, right away. In, in a way that I shouldn't be surprised about because every time that I listen to you guys talk about Fish, I feel like you take words out of my mouth. Or um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I think... I think the back half of Billy Breathes, particularly Bliss, Billy Breathes, Swept Away, Steve Caspian is like perfection. And Fish That's has kiss. never achieved 20 minutes in the studio like that. 
and it and there's a reason why it concludes with that Caspian, right? It's perfect. So anyway, I was gonna I was gonna give what I thought would be an unexpected shout out to the studio version of Caspian, but it was alluded to earlier, and I think it uh, warrants repeating. And then the it other does. version I want to m- mention quickly, other than 731, 731.99 in Japan, go check it out on YouTube if you haven't seen it. John Fishman is a machine. Um, is in reference to what I think is the single greatest fish dead collaboration of all time. And so the the okay. Warfield, the Phil and Friends 99 shows, if I had if I had one pick to go back in time and 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 see see shows that I wasn't at and yet realistically could have made happen probably if like it would be those shows. Um, and I find it uh, significant and interesting that in the course of the planning and pre- preparation and practicing for those shows, I'm sure that there was a list of songs that Trey and Page brought to the table. Um, the Wolfman's makes sense, you know, with the disease with with Phil playing the mic, like makes sense. Um, chalked us, but it, I, I think it's not it's not insignificant that Caspian was selected as one of the songs to make that mm-hmm. uh, to make that transition and to hear like Bertha Caspian into was it was it uh saint saint stephen right it's like caspian into saint stephen and that caspian jam go back if you haven't heard it go back and listen it is like if you if in your mind you picture like the magical the the majesty of fish jamming and what the dead can do and you combine them and like it is a perfect example of like fish dead offspring and this caspian jam with trey in many ways taking a backseat to kim anyway i'll i'll stop but but yeah, I wanted to just make sure that everyone was aware that that Fish, Phil and Friends, Caspian for sixteen ninety nine is awesome. Second night, yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah, it's it's an amazing version. Um, <clears throat> my last one I'll say quickly is uh, so we've talked about the importance of the Magnaval Caspian. Not only did it give us the sense that any fish jam could, or any fish song could be jammed. Um, it also led to this kind of rebirth in what Caspian became. And there were two versions in particular, both Mexico, uh, Mexico 2016 and Mexico 2017. Uh, one 16, 2017, uh, the second night of, or excuse me, 2016, the second night of the first year of Mexico does not get the love that it deserves, has an amazing yeah. cities in set one, has a great light, but it has the second set that has a really minimalistic golden age, a really minimalistic 46 days, uh, Caspian that is very minimalistic, a really good halfway to the moon midway through the second set. Yes, I just said those words. Okay. I promise. I'm, 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 <laughs> Don't take my word for it. Go and listen. That whole second set actually really rules, even though it looks very strange on paper. But the next year, the first night, 113.17, uh, this show gets zero love as far as I can tell. Um, but it has this segment in the middle of the second set, Fuego into Caspian, into Twist, into Seven Below, and then Golgi, um, that really, really works and is beautiful stuff. And the Caspian uh, is this kind of wall of sound jamming. And it really hints at like where the band was going. That whole second set is just minimalistic. The band, no no band members trying to outshine the other. They're just playing as a singular unit. It's not the best set list on paper, which is why I think it gets a little bit of a bum rap. And that second year in Mexico, people were still a little unsure. Like, is this going to be a thing? Are they really going to be playing quality shows down here? I would argue Mexico 2017 is the second best year that they've ever played Mexico. All 20, three of those 2022 shows. 2022 being the best. 
2022 being the best, 100%. Um, 2022 was basically like fall 2021, but in the sun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this Mexico version, this Mexico run from 2017 is definitely worth your ears. I definitely recommend people check it out. That one is we so have, like unsettling and unbeautiful in like a cool yes. way. It's like yeah. thrashing and like it's just, you know how Caspian can be so beautiful and this version is not. It's awesome. I still think that they knew what they were doing seven or six months later when they got to that Mexico. Yeah. Run. And it's kind of this like uh, weird laboratory for strange setless calls that ultimately work and dark atmospheric jamming that would really appear later in the summer. Um, we have given you guys 90 minutes of defense <laughs> and love of Caspian. We got a comment here from one of our favorite listeners, Cinnamon. Um, why didn't you bring someone who didn't like Caspian on the I show? I know. Maybe, but I think at the end of the day, like the the the, the larger that. view of this song has been tilted towards the negative in the community, and we want to plant our fa- our flag in the positive, in the love, in the light for Prince Caspian. So I hope we did that today. I hope you all walked away with some versions that you're excited to listen to. We will be back. Oh my God, we have a guest. We we have another guest here. Hi, Caspian. Caspian. Hi. Hi. What's up, Caspian? How you doing? Sorry, I, I had earbuds in so you couldn't hear. But hey, you want to say your, hi? Hi. Your, your, your dad told the story of, of how you got your name. It's pretty awesome, man. It's really so, cool. What, what's your favorite fish song? Be honest. Um, Punch you in the eye. Uh, so not- <laughs> nice. He's, he's like a 1.0-er. He's- <laughs> On that note. Well, that's amazing. I got to say, my, my son who was born, I think, a couple weeks before you, Caspian. His middle name is Piper, and we named him after walking out of Meriwether Post Pavilion, very similar to what you said. Uh, we They played an amazing version of Piper, and we walked out and said, we should use Piper as either first name if it's a girl or middle name if it's a boy. So there's unity there. Wallace is going to his first fish show hopefully this summer. If he's good, he's going to go to his first fish show. So maybe awesome. in like five years, Caspian, you guys can hang out at a fish show. We look forward to it. Thanks. I'm into it. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Levi, you. so much for being here. You were awesome. It was really fun to yeah, talk to this you. This was amazing. We're going to do this again. You've got some great ideas. And we will be back next week. We are kicking off the top 25 tours in fish history episode. Keep an eye out for the announcement of when we will record that. We will announce at some point what tour we're doing. We're really, really stoked to dive into this. Thank you guys all for hanging with us. Thank you to everyone in the comments. Amazing stuff. And we'll see you guys later. Long live Prince Caspian. See you guys. Osiris. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear. 
The people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments. The ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember. The ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.